It's nearly draft time. It's Fantasy Friday is what I'm calling it. If you had to pick, what do you want to see added to this roster? Special guest Matt Waldman is with us, and we're going to talk about straight out what do we want to see happen for the Kansas City Chiefs today on Locked on Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Going to be a fun show today. We have a lot to talk about. And it's just about what do you want to see happen for the Kansas City Chiefs. We appreciate you making us your first one. Check out another Lockdown show for your next one because we're all part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. That means it's your team every day, everywhere. Starting on YouTube where all of our shows drop and followed up on all the audio platforms. Make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell on YouTube and check out the rest of the platforms everywhere we have a lot to go over it is not too late to get the draft guide from rogue apc go over that rogueapc.com and use the so that you know what's coming on draft night we'll have a ton for you You can also check out nfl33.com for my rankings uh, specifically as well as rgr football and i'm chris clark from chief's corner there is a ton to talk about when you start looking at what we want to see happen in the nfl draft uh, i'm really excited to you be able to hear from matt waldman here in just a moment but what I want to see in this NFL draft for Kansas City is I want to see him add to the offense. And I know you were defense, you're a defensive guy, you want to build up the defense, and I get it. I'm not saying that they don't need to add on defense, but quite frankly, I sit here and I look. I don't like their option at right tackle right now. Uh, Lucas Niang, to me, is not an answer at left tackle. I'm sorry, right tackle. I still almost wouldn't feel comfortable with him as being the swing tackle, quite mm. frankly. Uh just because you don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to be able to do that yeah. uh, if one of the, your guys goes down for a game or two. So to me, I want to see him add protection for Patrick. I want to see him go get uh, a tackle for him. I don't care if it's left or right, to be quite frank, to be quite honest. If they want to go right tackle, if they believe Darnell Wright is their guy and he has the feet that they like at right tackle, and I'm fine with that. I think they, they still have the ability to be a top three, maybe top five offensive line if they go that direction. So to me, I think adding weapons for Patrick is also one of the things I want to see them do. Uh, I don't expect them to go running back early in this draft. I would not be surprised if they get take one a little bit later, maybe on the third day. But wide receiver and tight end, I do see them addressing, and I think that they're going to take both of those positions in this draft. I think that could definitely be it. It doesn't really matter to me uh, overall who it is. Yes, I have my druthers, and I, I like players here, there, and every, every position, right? What I want to see overall, the first thing is I want dominance. I want somebody that puts a little fear into the opponent. I'm tired of this team being finesse on both sides of the ball. They got a little bit better with Orlando. Obviously, Trey brings a nasty physical presence as well. Juwan's back to a little bit more finesse a little bit on the offensive line. So it doesn't matter to me whether it's a tackle, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end. I want somebody that is physically putting the pressure on the defense to to bring that kind of, of nasty to it. Physical contact balance, those kind of things are what I'm looking for on the offensive side of the ball all the way around, first and foremost. Yeah, and the one reason I want to see them add to the offensive line for me when it comes to that is because you look at what they struggled with last year and they struggled with the year before, it was guys getting open. And if you're not going to heavily invest in the wide receiver position, which they're obviously not going to do at this point, uh, at least – you know, signing somebody in free agency. They could invest heavily in the draft. We will see if that happens. Uh, but they need to have guys that can get open. And if they don't get guys that can get open and get separation quickly, 
then it makes it even more imperative to have an offensive line that can give Patrick three, four, five seconds in the pocket because you know he's going to pick apart whatever the defense is doing if he gets that time. I, I'm completely with you. I wouldn't mind even getting like a tight end that is an all-around. There's a couple of candidates in this draft, and we talked yesterday about what happens if you get you know to 25 and your board's clear and you don't have any first-round grades left. What do you do? One of the things that I think is an option, there, there's there's corners that I think will be there, but tight ends really applicable there because a couple of all-around tight ends there that bring some blocking prowess that allows you to be more physical in the run game, but also bring catch point physicality that I like that. Does that fit into what you want to see, especially at the tight end position, kind of grow into? Yeah, I think that could work. I, I would prefer they go the route of somebody more like Kelsey just because I think that it's, uh, it's going to take two or three years for that guy to get acclimated, and I don't know how many more years Kelsey has left. I'm not trying to push him out to pasture by any means, but I do think it would be smart for them to develop somebody, especially in one of the deepest tight end classes that they've that we've seen for a while. So to me, I would like them to go that direction a little bit more. The other thing I would really like to see, and you kind of hit this on the head a little bit on Wednesday talking with Matt, I want to see him draft a QB. I'm not saying I need to see him draft a QB in the fourth. I'm not saying they need to draft somebody in the third or, you know, earlier than that. Mm-hmm. But go get a QB. Go get somebody you feel like you can develop. I don't care if you end up bringing him in and you end up wasting a sixth, seventh round pick on a QB that ends up not working out. Take a chance because the one thing about that position specifically is it is very low risk in a sixth or seventh round pick, but it could be very high reward if it's somebody you can develop. Yeah. Do you have somebody and in there? There could be a huge value there. Sorry. Do you have anyone in particular in mind? Uh, we talked about Tune from Houston. I think that that would be an interesting one. But there's, I mean, there's a couple of different guys. And and the other side of that for me is I trust Andy Reid more than I would trust my thought process on who I would go take as a QB. So uh, he knows what he's looking for. Uh, Beach has an idea of what they're looking for. I really do think that they need to add a QB because they haven't for a while. I mean, they have Michelle. Obviously, they bring in Gabbert, so they're going to have a veteran there. But it, can you develop a young guy that is going to be somebody that you can maybe trade off in a couple of years or even have a young guy that could maybe just be a, a career backup for you for the next four or five years after Gabbert because Gabbert's only here on a one-year deal. Yeah, and that's the way that it goes. And Travis will need someone to throw to, right? I, I like the reversing it a little bit because I will tell you this. I'll, I'll put the reverse jinx on it because I do that with Travis all the time. I guarantee you Travis Kelsey will not be able to play past 48 years old. <laughs> if, he play, so, if he plays into his 40s, he is going to kill some of the records that are out there. Absolutely. So you might as well supplement him a little bit with something a little bit different is my thought. But – there's also the running backs. If you just had a style, you don't have to talk player, but if you had a style, what are you looking for to supplement with Pacheco and Clyde, who's still here right now? I think you have to look and try to see if you can get a, a kind of a, a, I hate calling him gadget, but kind of get a guy like McKinnon, somebody that's great out of the back, catching the ball out of the backfield that gives you a little bit of wiggle. Uh, somebody that can, you know, go out there and run some wide receiver routes and, and really can step in and be your, your, personal protector for Patrick because that was one of McKinnon's biggest jobs that he never got a lot of credit for and deserves a lot more credit for. Well, I think we're going to have our options to find out some more. Matt Waldman is coming up on the backside of this to tell us about the offensive players in this draft Chiefs ought to be looking at right after this. 
Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. We don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something new that you will not want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. We can't wait to see what this new flavor is because they are always delicious. We always enjoy them. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your order. And we're back. It's been a bit, but Matt Waldman, the RSP man, I'll give you guys the link. It'll be in the description. Make sure you go check that out because he's forgotten more about offense than I am ever going to know. So when you got to do that, you got to go to the source. Matt, welcome back. I am excited to talk pass catchers today. But then I start thinking about it's if you widen it out to pass catchers, the tight end class is, is a little bit better than it's been in a few years. I still don't think that it's enormously athletic. There are a number of question marks here for me that I think are fairly significant. But when you get past Mayer and everyone's complaint that he's not as athletic uh, testing-wise as he is on film, and Kincaid that I think is, is a nice big slot that I think in Kansas City would work out really well. But beyond those two top guys, how does it fall for you? And where do they line up with the wide receiver class? Are there some wide receivers uh, that normally we'd see in the top 100 that aren't going to go there because the tight ends are that good? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, I think there's I think there's actually seven players that I would probably make a priority to draft at the tight end position. So I think it's deep, nice. but it depends on what you're looking at as your priority. So you're not, you know, one team A is not going to have all seven as their priority, whereas maybe, you know, they may have three and somebody else may have four or five or two, some combination like that. So what I would tell you is that looking at this board right now, um, you know, I think there's probably, you know, arguably 20 receivers and more realistically, because I probably grade differently than, than a lot of NFL teams do, there's probably maybe 12 to 15 receivers that – that might have a better grade than than the than like the number seven tight end on my board, God. and and the number seven tight end on my board is actually Michael Mayer, which sounds sure. really low, um, but he has a starter grade, and if you compared my grade of him to the past three classes that I graded, he'd be top two or three, if not number one, in every one of those. So wow. I I like this class. Um, but it depends more because I'm grading not as much heavily on how they hit people, but on how well they handle catching the football. Because I I angle it, I take the Bill Belichick approach or the Travis Kelsey is my model type of approach to to how I'm looking for tight ends. But that said, there are some guys in this class. My number two guy in this class is a blocker. He's the best blocker in this class. I just happen to think that. He got hidden by Michigan, Luke Schoonmaker. He got hidden by Michigan as how athletic he really is. And I think you're going to see him match up against people on the outside. And he might be the only unicorn in this class that would put you in a, in a, what Kelsey could do if they said, we want you to bulk up and be more of a blocker. Um, Gronkowski and Kittle. He could be that sneaky guy. Um, I don't know if it'll get there, but I think he'll be close enough that you'll say he, you're going to wind up looking at him and going, he's a good tight end. I'm mean, like, he's a good NFL tight end, maybe not a 1,300-yard producer ever or a 10-touchdown producer, but he might be that TJ Hawkinson, 
you know, 800, 900 yard guy on, on top years. I'm glad you bring him up because uh, I've been really high on him this whole process. He's number two in the athletic matrix. Like he is that kind of athlete. I'm hundred percent with you. I just don't think he's gotten the looks, especially they line him up at H and run him through the middle and then try to jump, do those little arrow routes. I yeah. love that stuff. I, I agree with you. I think he can, he can rise up. You you almost had My me. My dog with agrees though. too, apparently. I yeah. love that. I'll take the go. confirmation canine wise. Um, I need some help because I seem to be out alone here on an island in that maybe the worst athlete in the group is a guy that I really like because he can block and he just wins at the catch point all the time and helps his quarterback out. At the end of the day, that's what I'm looking for. But I have Davis Allen very, very high. And I need you to talk me off of this ledge. because Yeah, for me, the, the issue with Davis Allen is that I think he's a good fit player. Like if you want to run him on sale routes and over routes and some things like that, you've got some good work from him. But when I'm looking from an athletic perspective of being able to bend and match up against linebackers or safeties on shorter routes, yeah. like those, those stop routes where you got to flip your hips. A little worried about him being there on that end. Reliable pass catcher for sure. Running after the catch, forget about it. So <laughs> the so he's he could be good with the right fit. But for me, like I thought you were talking about the guy I thought you were talking about was actually um Payne Durham out of <laughs> Purdue, who who grew up around the corner for me. Nice. Who is I never saw him play. I didn't know that until before the draft. But he, I think he has the best hands of anybody in this class receiver or tight end like he's he's slow as all get out like he's it, it, you know i mean slow but like <laughs> he can but he's got enough shorter quickness as a blocker he's physical you can basically you can pound him into the ground and he's going to catch the ball it doesn't matter like if if there he's going to he could be a good short area option and he's one of those players that will probably never be anything more than a tight end too or a tight end one where they value his blocking and he develops for to a degree and then they use him in the red zone and he's, he's a stealer you know, right what i was gonna say he's a heath miller type on that level but less so like yeah. but he but man like he's automatic if you can squeeze it in there it's he's gonna catch it <laughs> even if it's the eye of a needle he's gonna right. catch it <laughs> long story short is this a class where we might see five years from now there's more tight ends in this group making noise than there are wide receivers. I think so, and I think that there's a possibility for that. The we we keep hearing that threatening since you know our buddy Matt Williamson when he was at ESPN talking about Jermichael Finley like uh, over a decade ago, you know. But here's the thing: we're seeing more counter in the NFL right now because after everyone tried to stop Mahomes, you know, two years ago. All the teams said, oh, we got all these shrimps disguised as linebackers who were supposed to be safeties, and we've got these guys. Now we have the athletic advantage along the offensive line, and if we use some of these tight ends to be pullers, then guess what we can do? We can we can run counter and gap and toss, and we can make the run game easier for the running back. We can get more athletic guys out there who don't really have, you know, Elijah Mitchell types who don't have great diagnostic skills, but just go there. Yep. Don't think, just go, you know, and do that. And suddenly now, well, we, we may need more tight ends because it's going to take a few years for these NFL teams to these defenses to find linebackers who are big enough to hold up because the college ranks still filled with all these 
Dion Buchanan, you know, type of guys. <laughs> and and it does, and so we're gonna pound these guys. Why not do that? And that and you've got really eight to 14 guys who have at tight end of this position who can at least, you know, pull or seal the backside or lead lead block on ISO or do a lot of things like that. And so if you ask me for the next three to four years, these guys could have that opportunity for sure. And I, I'm I'm welcoming back the run game, and I think they're going to help me do it. So that's pass catchers with Matt Waldman. Make sure you check out RSP. Go get it. I'll leave you a link in the description. In our next talk, we're going to get into the running backs. My least favorite position, everyone knows that. Matt's going to tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> we are back another day with Matt Waldman of the RSP. You need to go get that, and I'll give you the link down in the description. Matt happens to be a Chiefs fan. I don't know if you all know that, but you know I could see it on this ball cap he's got on, and we'll have to do something to hook you up with something new too, Matt. Welcome back. I know you are very excited about running backs in general, a lot more than I am, so – I just want to know, in, in what we're seeing, we talked about the evolution of the, the, the run game a little bit with the tight end group in the last segment. What does this group of running backs in this draft class bring that might help usher back in the old days of actually having a bell cow back? Well, I think the, I think the answer is kind of what we talked about the, you know, in, the previous, um, in our previous talks about wide receivers and tight ends and about how a lot of it, it has to do with the soft, the, the, the lighter defenses and how they're being able to run the gap game more often. So, you know, we may never see the bell cow back again to the level that they used to be in the 80s and 90s and before that. But there's still guys who are capable of doing that. I mean, we still have Nick Chubb out there. Yeah. We still have a Saquon Barkley. There are, you know, Dalvin Cook did that for a while. You're oh, Derek Henry. You're still going to have those guys. Um, and they just may not be as many of them leaned on to do it. But this class has 12 backs that I look at that could be either at least very high-end contributors, kind of like what the Chiefs hoped Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be, you know, mm -hmm. and or guys who could give you that Chubb, Barkley, Cook, you know, Henry type of vibe uh, um, as – as contributors and it's kind of like all points in between it's like pick your flavor because there's 12 that are really good in, in that department and so when you have 12 backs like that and i'd say six right now that i think could do it right away mm -hmm. um that's a strong group okay so give me those six let's see if they're the same yeah so you know, I'm not going to give you an, any particular order than we know Bijan Robinson and sure. Jameer Gibbs. Okay, those guys, I think everyone knows that. I'm going to say Kendra Miller certainly can be one of those guys. Um, and then Zach Evans, who came before him, a lot of people aren't talking about him, but I think Zach Evans could easily be mentioned in the same names of Robinson and Gibbs um, if the – off-field stuff turns out to be as much smoke as I think it is. It's just smoke, okay? It's okay. not even sweet-smelling Kansas City smoke. <laughs> so you've got – and then you've got Tajay Spears, who is just an, a dynamic player, and he reminds me of a chief. Um, and yeah. I think you know which chief I'm talking about. Um, and it's a heady comparison to say Jamal Charles. That's but why I don't say it. <laughs> but, he, but listen, I, I, we'll talk about that. And then Zach Charbonnet, who – Maybe kind of like the, you know, he's he's not a bad guy, but that's um, 
it, you know, he can definitely be rugged enough to lead an NFL backfield. So those are the six guys right there. Okay, I got five of your six. I'm with you. I'm with you. So let's let's cut to the chase. Tell me how Tajay is Jamal. Okay, listen. He's not <laughs> as fast as Jamal. But when I studied Jamal, I had I had Jamal probably ranked somewhere between seventh and ninth in what might have been one of the greatest running back classes I've ever scouted. Might be the best still. Because you had, I mean, Forte and CJ2K and yeah. LaShawn McCoy and Charles. I don't even have to mention Darren McFadden or Felix Jones, who didn't really do all that great. But like still, if those guys were the afterthoughts in that class, right. that's pretty dang good. So when I watched Jamal Charles, Jamal Charles looked like that kid when he was making decisions at the line of scrimmage where he would say, I'm going to press this and then jump cut like three gaps over and bounce it outside against Oklahoma, you know, or against a top defense, Oregon, or whoever, he, Ohio State, and he'd get away with it. He had a bravado to his game. But, in, you know, early on with, I forgot, Todd Haley. Todd Haley was like, look, you got to stop that mess. <laughs> You know, and year one, he he had to learn what his limits were. But once he did, he was still the most creative dynamic back in the league for a, a good period of time. Tajay Spears has that kind of skill, okay? One of the ways that you see that skill is that when you watch running backs, you want to see them transition downhill with as few gather steps as possible. And so there's two ways you can look at that. Is you can, of course, between the tackles, Every back should be able to make a cut with no more than one gather step if you inside the tackles. Outside the tackles to the short side of the field, they need to do it within one to two. Um, you know, with a runway, one to two is, you know, maybe to the far side, you want to see one to two as well. But usually your best backs can do that. When you can run at a good pace to the far sideline from the backfield with a good, you know, good pace and make a cut downhill suddenly with no transition steps needed, you're special in that area. That's like, and Jamal could do that. Tajay Spears mm -hmm. can do that. Even off two ACL tears, Tajay Spears can still do that. Tajay Spears can still work inside against the middle linebacker and give a leg and take away, take away the leg in a way that you would do in the open field in tight quarters like with the daring against a you know uh against a linebacker like that in a game come on okay on top of that he does know how to keep his pads aligned with his um knees downhill and the thing that made Jamal Charles special in addition to you know everything we just talked about with elusiveness and agility and speed and quickness is that he knew how to run tough and he could do it at his size he knew then I learned this from Jamal Charles. Like this was, if, if I ever get the chance to, th to thank Jamal Charles for um, making a living and part of it <laughs> doing with running backs, it would be because watching his game taught me that if you're the first to make contact, then you're the first to be able to make a second move off that you're dictating the chain of movements that happen. So when I'd watch him, lowers pads into an Oklahoma nose tackle. And by the time the nose tackle could clap onto him, he had already spun off of him and he's in the secondary. And those are the things that Spears is good at. He's a smart runner. He's also a skilled receiver. Now you don't see a lot of, and I don't mean just pass catching, but he can run some one-on-one -on -one routes. I've seen him against Houston where they put him 
one-on-one in overtime in the red zone on a corner and he wins on a fade that was like perfect like like perfect not perfect throw perfect catch perfect positioning perfect after the catch to avoid hitting the ground with the ball on the ground and doing it to win the game walk off touchdown basically with that these are types of things spears can be so the health is the question but again i remember you know again it's we're talking about exceptional players so maybe the the analytics would say two ACL tears, big risk. Okay, that's fine. I remember a guy with two ACL tears who might have been the greatest greatest high school running back ever who, you know, when a guy like Larry Coker who recruited him said, I coached Barry Sanders, and this guy was better than Barry Sanders coming out of college, and I had him and Thurman Thomas, and I'm telling you, Frank Gore is the greatest running back I've ever, you know, one of the greatest running backs I've ever seen. Then he has two ACL tears before he ever goes to, to the 49ers and he's the teaching tape standard for running backs and fantasy people everywhere especially analysts were bemoaning the fact that he was still in the league <laughs> for the past five years until last year right so to, to me I don't want to hear about exception you know to me we're talking about upside with him fantastic player I'm I'm looking forward to that if there's one guy day three who are you looking for Oh, day three. Well, Evans might fall there because of the BS character stuff that I think that may may be there. But um, I also think, you know, I think Rashawn Johnson, people are saying that he's, you know, a day two guy maybe, but I think he'll fall to day three. There's just the, the need for it. He's a, he's a rugged guy. He's, he's a little more explosive than people may realize, at least in the short area of his game. Um, catches and blocks pretty well. Um, I think that Sean Tucker gets a lot of like, uh, you know, he got a lot of hype early and now they're kind of like so-so on him. I thought his burst was more notable than any running back I saw this year, like mm-hmm. just on a consistent basis. He's a good cutback runner. You can get a lot out of him. Tyon Evans might be the guy for me, though. Tyon yeah. Evans out of Louisville who played at Tennessee and before that at Hutchinson Community College. You guys know Mm -hmm. about them. So, you know, listen, I think he's a sleeper in this class. He can run through you. He can run around you. He can run past you. Um, There's a little bit of that. His body type somewhere between Ray Rice and Travis Henry. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think his game is somewhere between that. I think that he could be that kind of guy. And if I'm going to go for a UDFA, just to round it out, who's just a personal favorite, who I have higher than probably anybody on any board, um, it's going to be um, Christopher Brooks out of Cal, who as with BYU last year, 6'1", uh-huh. 235, good burst, runs through you, can push piles. He's got that Samaje P. Ryan, Gus Edwards, Lendale White. And I wouldn't say Lendale if Lendale, you know, kept his <laughs> off-field things, you know, on yeah. the up and up. But like um, Brooks can catch. Um, he can run both gap and and um, zone, so he's patient, good feet. To me, and he also impressed a lot at the hula bowl. I heard like he was he was very impressive there. Was a leader, producers in practice and at the game. Um, I like him. He's I've got him in my top fifteen. Um, you know, as a as a player, he's at the bottom part of that. But I've liked him since last year. Nothing changed that. Like if things go really well for him. And I don't think expect that, but the top end of the comparison is James Conner. 
the low end mm. of the comparison is more Gus Edwards. I think he could be, uh, he could get to be a Gus Edwards type if he lands in the right spot. I, I like that. Uh, one of my notes on him was um, go find more tape on this guy, and I wasn't wasn't able to pull that off. So I'm glad you bring him up. That's Dude. why you're here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you want to know everything about every prospect that plays offense in this draft, go get RSP. You can get it from Matt, and I'll give you the address in the description. Matt, thanks for all the time. This has been a great sit-down. Man, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your time. Go check out Matt and everything he's doing. You can see his channel as well. I'll get you all that information. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.